Good evening again. Let's open up our Bibles to Acts chapter 9. We're continuing through our survey of the book of Acts, just looking at at, uh, people's conversions. And of course, uh, today's lesson may be the most famous individual conversion in the book of Acts, and that would be Paul's, since he would go on to write uh, through the Holy Spirit uh, a great portion of the New Testament, which is pretty amazing. But it's also amazing just to see how he began. What happened? And what really happened in the life of Paul is something I think that we would agree has happened in all of our lives. In some way, there was divine intervention. You know, I haven't met a Christian yet who doesn't have a story. Every Christian has a story of how God orchestrated the chance for them to become disciples. Somehow, they heard of the gospel. And uh, there are, you know, amazing ways that that takes place. Sometimes people came to faith for the first time just listening to the radio. And they heard a message that, well, you know what, I think I need to explore that. And that's what captured them. Uh, Sometimes it's through circumstance where actually life just gets so tough. People start to ask questions they never asked before. Uh, Sometimes, uh, boy, the the intervention of God is kind of like a two-by-four. Because it is so drastic. Yet yet God is willing to do that, even if it means there's a little pain, a little difficulty. Because God wants our attention for a very supreme purpose. Our eternal salvation and uh, an eternal life with Him. So let's just read together Acts 9 verses 1 and 2 to start with. It says, Meanwhile Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Now the backdrop of Acts 9 is Acts 8. And, uh, sorry, Acts uh, 7, the stoning of uh, Stephen. And then uh, the, the story of Paul is picked up again. Uh, Saul was in verse eight, chapter 8, verse 1. Saul was there giving approval to his death. Then we don't hear anything more about him. And then it starts again in chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats. I mean, at this point in time, one person had only been killed, and that was Stephen. But Paul was only more fired up in his persecution of Christians than he had been before. Watching Stephen die only affirmed for him what he wanted. Now, if we knew someone like Saul was outside right now, waiting in the parking lot, I don't think we'd be encouraged. I think we all know a little about what, you know, we've had people stand against us. We felt some opposition. But what was happening here, this doesn't happen in many places in the world, though sadly it still does. There are people that believe in the name of God they are persecuting Christians. But of course that is a a grave, grave error. But just like sort of the beginning of the story of Paul is the... uh, uh, or, or Saul, you know, the name is both, both are, I'm just going to call him Paul because I keep mixing it up anyways. Um, the beginning of the story of Paul had the death of Stephen. There was a disciple who made a testimony. And just in that way, I want to share a story about uh, a conversion in Russia. But really, there's a backstory because there's sort of a Paul figure, and then there's a little bit of a Stephen figure. And so I want to share a little bit just about the person that interacted with this Paul figure first. And his name was Oleg. 
Oleg became a Christian in November 1995. He was 19 years old. He was a light middleweight wrestler, five foot six and 168 pounds or 12 stone. Five foot six, 12 stone, not an ounce of fat on his body. And he was married already at 19 with a young child. And the champion, and he was also the champion youth wrestler of his weight class in Moscow. Under 20s. He was the number one guy. Well, he got baptized November 95, and we started, as I explained in my last lesson, we started our AMS ministry in December of 1995. And so we asked Oleg to join our group. And so we had our first meeting, and I was given a list. I think we had 29 people on the list to start with. And uh, Oleg was there. He's a wrestler. He was just recently converted. You know, he'll be there. So we had our meeting, and as I was kind of looking around, meeting people and seeing who was here, who wasn't, because I'd never met Oleg before, it turns out he wasn't there. So I went home that night, and I, I gave Oleg a call. And I said, you know, is everything okay? Uh, we missed you at church today. And he said, um, you know, I'm not going to be coming to church anymore. Uh, I talked with the captain of my wrestling team, and uh, he really challenged me that since I'm a Russian, if I'm going to be a Christian and a Russian, I need to be an Orthodox Russian Christian. I need to join the Orthodox Church. Now, Oleg was one of those completely unchurched people. So, like, like he'd never even, I don't know, been to an Orthodox Church before. And so, you know, he had, he had this, this, uh, this challenge. The captain of his team was saying, you need to, to stop doing this. And I said, I said, Oleg, you know, you, we've never even had a conversation. Do you mind if I come over and talk to you face to face? So uh, he gave me his address, and uh, I went over to his house, knocked on the door. Uh, he let me in, and it was a little cold at first. His wife didn't, definitely didn't seem happy to see me. And, uh, you know, we went into the living room, and we started chatting. We opened up the Bible. Uh, well, actually, first we prayed together, then we opened up the Bible. And I just, you know, we talked about what God has done and, and you know, the, the call to discipleship. And, and so what, 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 what do you want and uh, Oleg, he asked me a few questions, and then he started, his countenance changed. And he goes, you know, this was really refreshing. I realize now that somebody gave me a lot of advice, but they weren't opening up the Bible with me. That, there was no Bible in what was happening. And what I like about what you and the other brothers that I've met before in the last few months is that you actually open up the Bible and talk. He goes, you know, I really do want to be a disciple. I'm not going to do what the captain of my wrestling team says. I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be coming out to services. I'm going to be, you know, doing whatever disciples do. Let's pray together. And then he said, you know, Andy, Jesus gave everything for me. I'm so sorry that I even just for a moment hesitated to give back to him. And you know, uh, I have a special gift. He said, my mother's, my, my grandmother is deaf and mute and I can do sign language and I was talking to the brothers. They said, there isn't any ministry like that in the Moscow church. He goes, actually, I just don't want to be a, a disciple sitting in the pew. Maybe you can help me convert deaf and dumb people so they can become Christians. So, you know, I went away pre feeling pretty happy. That was a good little conversation. We're going to go and just see a little clip of Oleg. I just wanted to get some images of these people. Oleg's in red.
Okay, just just want to get a little image. Okay, this is Oleg. This is his world. This is his life, and uh, he's now become a disciple. So he goes back to his wrestling team, and uh, he took a real stand from this point forward. Oleg just he spoke out about what he had come to believe about what Jesus had done for him, and so. He came back and he said, you know, I'm going to keep going to this church. I believe what I'm doing is right. And next Sunday we had house church. And great, Oleg came. But somebody else came with him. The guy that came with Oleg was the number two heavyweight Greco-Roman wrestler in Russia. This was the captain of his team. He was 5 foot 11, 266 pounds. 19 stone. He came into my house. He now knows where I live. He came into my house. He wasn't just a wrestler. He was a professional mafia bodyguard. He's 24 years old. In fact, he was the human shield for one of the leading bosses in Moscow. He took a chair in the corner and simply sat there the whole time, whether we stood up and sang, sat down, whatever, he just stayed in the same position, his head was down, and he viewed the whole service through his eyebrows. Like, you know, that's all you could see. And he wasn't happy. And, uh, you know, we, I went over, and they'd come just as service was beginning. I went over after service, and I go, you know, boy, it's great to see you, my name's Andy, I had my hand out like this. And he just put his hand behind his back, you know, flexed his arms, He's like, I don't shake hands with sect leaders. Now, just so you understand, in Russia, everything that's not orthodox is a sect, okay? Baptists have been there for years. They're still a sect. It's just, it's the term they use. He goes, I I don't shake hands with sect leaders. Okay, probably would have hurt anyways, but okay. You know, I was trying to, trying to be light, trying to reach out to him, but uh, it didn't really work well. Throughout the next year, Sergei came out to church a few times but he wouldn't fellowship anyone, and uh, you know, anytime he just wouldn't talk. He'd sit at the back. We found that later, though, occasionally when the co- contribution plate went by, he still threw in some money. That was kind of weird. And he was conflicted because he saw Oleg's convictions and the changes that were happening in Oleg's life. But at the same time, he resented the fact that Oleg hadn't joined the Russian Orthodox Church, that he was part of this. Let's just read a little further about what happened with Paul. Because sometimes the intervention is just amazing. So it says in verse 3, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see anything. He couldn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground. Sorry, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Well, you know, a year went by, and Oleg was being... Uh, you know, effective in sharing his faith. He was, he was being faithful. He was being bold. And he was coming into conflict with Sergei. But Oleg's this little, for, for Sergei, Oleg is this little guy. This little five foot six guy. He, was, he wasn't going to do anything to him. But he was always on his case. 
Well, what happened in 1997, January, was very interesting. Uh, Oleg had just graduated. He'd turned 20 years old, and now he was in the adult weight categories. And where he'd been the best, now he's wrestling people 10 to 15 years older than him with all that much more experience, but the same weight. And so he knew he wasn't going to do very well, and I arranged to go with, uh, with him to watch, and I took all these brothers. So you, you can kind of imagine there's a, gr- a group of Christians going to this wrestling match. Now what's also happening at this wrestling match is all the neighborhood mafia are recruiting. They're looking to see who are the best wrestlers, because these guys make great bodyguards. So, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting mix of people. And there we are, our little happy group of disciples. Um, <laughs> And uh, Oleg didn't win that day, and we were kind of consoling him. And we decided to stick around a little bit just to, you know, help Oleg cheer on some of his friends and stuff. And um, Sergei, uh, he, he, he saw us sitting together, and he, he called me over. And so, I mean, that was kind of weird. You know, this is a big guy. He's the number one guy here. Like, he's the number one heavyweight wrestler in Moscow. And he sees me in the crowd, he points at me, he goes, like this. So I'm like, okay, I'll go, I'll go talk to him, you know, maybe something's happened, I don't know. So I go up to him, and, and this is Sergey's words, he goes, hey, I see you're here to watch Oleg. A lot of good being a Christian did him, eh? <laughs> you know, he's laughing. And I said, uh, well, you know, you don't win all the time, that's not, that's not life. He goes, well, I see you brought your sisters with you, making fun of the fact that I had the brothers with me. And uh, he goes, I got a challenge. And this is where he got my attention. He goes, I got a challenge for you and your God. Well, okay. What's this? He goes, he goes, my friend is about to fight. He's a European champion, competed in a world championship. And he's fighting this guy named Slava, who I don't like. But if you believe that God has power, if you have the faith, I challenge you to pray that Slava will win. He doesn't have a chance. What do you do? He's challenged God. What what do I do? The brothers are going to ask me, what did he ask you, you know? So I go back to the brothers and I go, okay, this is weird. I don't pray for lottery tickets. I don't, you know, pray for sports teams. Sorry, Keith. I don't, you know, I, I don't do certain things. But... But you know what? We need to get in a circle and we need to pray that Slava wins this next fight. I feel like God got challenged. And so we took the, the, the me and the sisters, me and the brothers, uh, we went over to the other side there and, and, and you could see Sergei's face. He, he was just mocking us the whole time. So I explained to the brothers what had happened. And so uh, we prayed. Something amazing happened. In less than 60 seconds, Slava pinned Sergei's friend down and the match was over. Slava won. Okay? Let's read a little further. Let's read a little further in in Saul's story. You know, that... I can't, uh, the story of, of obviously Paul and Saul, it's, it's, it's more spectacular. This is Jesus talking to him directly. But look what happens here. Uh, in Damascus, there was this disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. 
The Lord said to him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he has come here with the authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he has sent me to you so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. I just want to add something that Paul added when he retold this story over in Acts 22. It says, uh, starting in verse uh, uh, 14, uh, Ananias said, The God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be as witness to all men of what you've seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. You know, Paul had called Jesus Lord on the road. Paul had made a decision there to do what Jesus asked him to. But Paul still hadn't called on the name of the Lord to have his sins washed away. And so what Ananias said to him is, what are you waiting for? Because Paul knew the gospel message. He'd been persecuting Christians. I'm sure he knew what they taught and what they were doing. He said, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash your sins away. You know, um, as the story goes, now it's my turn going back to Sergei. So we were in the crowd, and of course this guy Slava, he couldn't figure out why these 11 men in the bleachers were so excited for him winning. But we're like, yay, yay, you know, we were like... And and Sergei, who's very kind of typical Russian face, eyes just a little bit narrow, his eyes were like this. And he'd been slouching against this wall, but he'd stood up and he was like, had his hands on his hips, he's he's looking at us, he's looking at them. And then I looked over at Sergei, I go... Like that. Now, as of yet, the only conversation I've ever had with Sergey was the one I just had about uh, five minutes earlier. So Sergey comes over, and I didn't test him completely. I met him halfway. I, 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 I you know, had a little respect going on there. Uh, but you know, um, it, it was it was amazing because uh, I challenged him to study the Bible. And I said, this is, this is my challenge for you. You challenge me, I challenge you. You know where I live. Come there tonight at 8 o'clock, and we'll open up the Bible, and we'll see what God has to say for you, to you. I challenge you. And he goes, I'll be there. So he came. Now here's where the crazy story happens. We open up the Bible and we start talking about... Because Sergei's been visiting the Russian Orthodox Church. He knows the general story of the gospel, etc., etc. But I just was asking, asking him, what is the purpose of your life? And so we looked at Luke 9, about giving up everything so that you can save your life 
or holding on to your life and losing it. And I said to Sergey, you know, what does this mean for you? And here's this guy, 266 pounds, sitting in my room, and he starts bawling like a baby. And he said, Andy, I'm an, I am faced with death a number of times a month, and I am so afraid to die because I'm not right with God. And I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong. Can you help me? And so we actually did most of the discipleship study, and he made a decision to be a disciple of Jesus. Now it's interesting because he wanted to stay the night. And you got to understand, Tammy, God bless her, she's a faithful woman. She's followed me all around the earth, you know, all different places. But this guy comes in. I mean, he is a mafia bodyguard. I mean, honestly, my head for him is an eggshell. And, and he's just looking at me. She's looking at me like, are you sure about this? And I'm going, I'm going with it. I'm going with it. Okay. Anyways, Sergey says, you know, I don't want to go back to the hotel where the wrestling team lives. The whole team lives in the hotel because it's run by mafia and that's where they live. Uh, he goes, just give me a blanket and I'll sleep on the floor. Well, I said, no, you don't need to do that. Uh, my daughter's got a bunk bed. You can sleep in the bottom bunk. Now, child services might take away my kid for hearing me say that. But anyways, I believed in Sergey at this moment, okay? So anyways, Sergey got into bed in the bottom bunk. Britain, you know, said hi and saw him. And, you know, they, they had been introduced when he first came in. And, you know, went to bed. Tammy's like, are you sure about this? Dear, God's in control. This, this is great. Well, we woke up the next morning. Uh, it was about 6.30, and there was this thump and then a giggle. Then a thump, then a giggle. And we're like, what, what is that? What is going on? I'm going to go to the next. Okay. This is a, a reenactment three weeks later. Goodbye, Rex. Luby. Sergey was doing his morning exercises. Britt came out and sat on his back. Okay, so there, there's Sergey. That's that's Sergey after the road experience. Okay, he's he's starting to realize something is different about this world. Of course, uh, you know, I didn't have a video camera. I didn't film him. We just heard Britt giggling and him, this little thumping noise of something fairly heavy hitting the floor, which was his chest. Okay. Um, but the next day, Sergey goes back to the wrestler's housing where he lived. And he faced some tests of his own. He shared with everybody where he'd been. you got to understand, for a year he's been ridiculing Oleg. Now he goes back and he's going, you know what, Oleg's right. We need to read the Bible. We need to find out what God wants for us. Jesus died for us. Like He, he was preaching the word. It was great. Um, he, so the boss, his name was Vitya, he, got a, he sent Sergei a message. and Because uh, Vitya heard that Sergei had had this you know, experience. So he goes, There's, here's two men, here's their names, here's their addresses. They owe me money. I'm sending, I want you to go and strangle them till they go unconscious. And then when they wake up, you tell them that I want my money. Just a day in the life of Sergei, okay? So, 
Sergei was really upset because he doesn't want to be doing this anymore. He already knows, I can't do this. I can't play this game anymore. And so uh, he went and was take, right in the middle of taking a shower. Oleg came in, was looking for him, came in and found him and said, I heard what Vitya asked you. Sergei, you can't do it. You've got to make a decision. You've got to stand up to this worldly boss because there's God in heaven and he'll protect you. So Oleg really encouraged him. And Sergei went down to the office of the boss and he said, I'm not going to do it. And then the boss said, you know what, I just made it up because I wanted to see if you'd really, you really were believing what you were saying. I actually didn't have anything for you to do. So then we studied the Bible with Sergei for two more weeks. And the day before Sergei was going to be baptized, the boss told Sergei that he wanted him to take this guy named Sira to my house to talk with, to talk with me. Now Sira's another wrestler, I don't know who he is. Um... Sergey just calls me and says, is it okay if you bring Sira? I say, sure. And uh, on the way over, well, it turns out Sira, again, he's, he is a, a subweight champion. And you know the fighting they do without the, the no rules in the cages? This is Sira. This is what Sira does. And so Sira's coming. And Sira was one of Sergey's best friends. Sira was a killer. And once when Sergei was attacked by a guy with a knife, Sira took the knife in his arm right to the bone and basically got the knife away from the guy that was attacking Sergei. So the, 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 this is like one of Sergei's best friends. But as they got into the car together to go, Ser, Sergei saw that Sira had his gun. Sira was carrying his gun. Now they don't carry the guns all the time, just when they're going to do something. And so uh, Sergei said, Sira, why, you get, why do you have your gun? What are you planning to do? And Sira goes, oh, I'm not going to kill him. But if I don't like what this Andy guy says, I'm shooting him in the kneecap. Okay, so Sergei's sitting there going, what do I do? What do I do? You know, he cell phones me. Andy, uh, you know, maybe we shouldn't come. And I said, you know what, Sergei, let him come. Let's talk. We got to face this. So anyways, Sira on the way picks up his girlfriend. And I didn't quite understand at first why he picked her up, but it turned out that whenever he's going to do a job, he brings her. She's an alibi. She will claim to have been with him. She will be the, you know, the witness. Oh, and I was with him whenever this thing happens. So he brings his girlfriend when he's at work, so to speak. So anyways, that evening, Sira, Sira's just a little smaller than Sergey. Sira comes in the house, Sergei comes in, the girlfriend comes in. I'm like, Tammy, could, do you want anyone want tea? Sira's like, we just need to talk, no tea for me. But the girlfriend goes, oh, I'll take a cup of tea. So Tammy took her in the kitchen, they had a cup of tea. Uh, we go in the living room, close the door, and Sira just gets down to business. He says this, my boss wants to know what you, why you want to take Sergei out of the brotherhood. If Sergei wants to become a Christian, why can't he just be an Orthodox Christian? And I said, Sarah, it's not me calling Sergei out of your brotherhood. It's God. And, 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 that's, and Sergei nods. It's not Andy. It's God. This gospel, this message, it's from God. Then I asked Sarah, are you an Orthodox Christian? He answered, yes. Uh, then I said, is, is that your girlfriend? 
yes. I said, are you sleeping with her? And he goes, yes. And then I noticed Sergey. Sergey, like, kind of moved a little bit, ready to grab Sarah, okay? But Sarah goes, yes, like, no shame. And I said, so how can you say you're an Orthodox Christian? Is that what the Orthodox Church teaches? The Bible says sleeping with someone who isn't your wife is a sin. And in this fellowship, we take the Bible seriously. What about you? And you know, he looks at me. He, he's just, his face is like... And then he goes, Hmm. Okay. I understand. I'll tell the boss. You guys are serious here. And he got up and he left. That was it. So, uh, no harm done. And the next day, Sergey got baptized. Here's our next clip. understand how Tammy was feeling now, right? It just so happens that Oleg had also been studying with uh, one of his uh, deaf friends, and he was ready to be baptized that day as well. It's Russia, what can I say? There you go. Okay. You know, God moves today just like He did in the book of Acts. Uh, nothing's changed. Uh, he is calling people and He's using others. And, uh, you know, the great, one of the great privileges of being a disciple of Jesus is that we can be used by Him, you know, to, to help others become Christians. You know, if we read further with the story of Paul, we just see what goes on to happen. Saul spent several days, we'll pick this up in uh, Acts 9, 19, second part. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their plans. Day and night they kept close watch in the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening, on the wall, through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. 
So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Now, I do think this is quite a humorous. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace after they sent Paul away. Uh, It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. Well, also, of course, one of the main enemies of the church had been that the the problem had been solved. He'd become a disciple of Jesus. You know, we can go to the next picture. The next day, Sergei went to his boss, and uh, Vitya took a gun out of the desk and walked around the desk to Sergei and whacked him on the head of it, on his head with the butt of the gun. And he said, I don't like the fact that you did this, but we got to see how this will work. Like he, it, was, it was a mafia discipline. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't shoot him. That was good. And so within a few years, like the truth was, Sergei didn't last too much longer in that environment, as you can imagine. Uh, he continued to wrestle for a few years, but the mafia part of it obviously had quit, but he, he didn't even, the friendships got strained, etc. But, you know, after a few years, Sergei came to not just myself, some others, and said, I really want to be trained. I want to serve in the ministry full time. And so Sergei actually became an intern in the church. And in the year 2002, Sergei was appointed an evangelist. Uh, That's Sergei right there, and that's his wife, Oksana, just uh, a year ago. And Oksana, here's Sergei. He barely finished high school, but he's got his talents and his skills. Uh, He has since gone back and got a bachelor's degree in theology from one of the local theological schools. But she has a master's degree in theoretical mathematics. And so uh, they, they fell in love with each other. They got married. And uh, they're serving in the ministry even right now in the church in Moscow. Uh, they lead the southeast region of the church there. So, uh, you know, this is the story of Sergei. But we really see just the faithfulness of Oleg, too, playing into that. But we also see something that we all appreciate. God intervenes. And sometimes God intervenes through circumstance. Sometimes He intervenes through difficulty. Uh, We we can't explain how it happens. But God also intervenes through other disciples. God uses us to help others find Him. And we are the light for the world. Of course, we're not the source of that light. We're just reflecting it. But God has given us an amazing opportunity. So let's think about this story of Paul. Let's be grateful for our own conversions. Let's think about even our own lives. If you're visiting with us today, just think about what does it mean for you to make that decision to follow Christ? You know, we we spent some time in the communion today. What an amazing sacrifice that God made for us. It changes everything that He sent His Son to die for us on the cross. Let's pray together as the worship team comes up and takes their place. Our Father and God, we thank you that uh, we are here today. Uh, Father, we thank you for this story of uh, just transformation that you worked in the life of Sergei. And Father, we are so grateful just for the, the way that you love each one of us. Father, I pray that we could appreciate it even more. Father, your love is beyond measurement. It's height, width, and depth. And I pray that we can just really try to measure it, though, just to marvel at it and to be amazed by what you've done for us. 
Father, we thank you for this life that you've given us here. Thank you for the church, which is your idea, that we can fellowship with each other, strengthen each other, uh, remind each other, that we can really, Father, strengthen each other as each day's needs and as each day's challenges come our way. But Father, we thank you that all of this is based in you, and we thank you that you love us enough to have sent your Son. Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.